Welcome to the very first episode of Lift and Coast. We are starting at the round of seven, the Paul Ricard French Grand Prix. Chris, what did you think? Look, I came in here with, uh, I don't want to say little expectations, but all the previews I was reading, everything I was reading leading up to this race kind of led me to believe that, you know, this might be, you know, pretty straightforward. Whoever had pole was going to win. Obviously, we knew Lewis. Uh, we saw some stat that he had led 105 of the last 106 laps going back to 2018 when this when this race came back. So I came in here with little expectations, but those expectations were met. I was pretty happy with this race. The, the pitch strategies, and we'll get into it, but the pitch strategies threw a, 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 a wrench in a lot of people's races today. Listen, I had heard a lot of that. Everyone's like, yeah, it's not going to be an entertaining race. I yeah. was standing up. I was on edge. Um, I mean, talk about that opening. The first just jump to the turn one, 400 plus meters. And it had rained this morning. There was that huge uh, gust of wind coming from the back. And to see uh, Hamilton jump ahead of Max was huge. I was super excited. I'm like, okay, that's all we need. But what what happened? Look, so I was interested to see how... Max would would get would would come off the jump. I was how is he going to be able to pull away off the off the start of this here? And obviously turn one, turn two, he loses control. Hamilton passes him, takes him over. And in my head, I'm like, is that the race? Like, yeah, you're if, thinking we're, he's we're, we're first. five seconds in. Is is the race done? Because we know how how good <laughs> Hamilton is on this track. And then you know, fast forward twelve or fifteen laps, uh, Bottas pits, and then Max pits, and then. Hamilton pits after and wasn't really ready for that max that max undercut. So tell me about that. You know, when I look at this season, it is being Mercedes has made so many mistakes. It is not like them. They are normally the strategy kings. Uh, they've got the talent. They've got the car. But the mistakes they've made has cost them, and it's cost them in this championship run so far. Because you look at today, they completely mis misjudged the the undercut from the pit. Having Bottas pit before Hamilton, another big problem. And then you were just kind of, okay, Lewis, we're going to trust in you and see if you can get these tires all the way through to the end. And obviously, uh, he ran out of uh, he ran out at the end and, and Max got ahead of him. But I was as we were, we were chatting before we jumped, jumped on here, I think it's going to take all 23 races this year. Yeah, look, it, this is going to go down um, to the end because Red Bull, I know it's still obviously super early, but Red Bull is applying real pressure to Mercedes and it's going to get to a point in the season where we're going to start looking around and, and if Valtteri isn't necessarily pulling his weight that we're used to him pulling, um, you know, I think the turning point for Red Bull in this season, obviously again, still early is Sergio Perez. You know, he was kind of stumbling out of the gates for Red Bull and, you know, obviously Max is Max and he's going to do his thing, but they needed um, Perez to, to pull his weight to do his thing. Obviously he won last week um, or, or I guess two weeks ago and another podium this week. That's going to make the difference. Cause again, between Max and Lewis, if they're, if they're exchanging wins week to week, it's going to come down to the, the points that Perez and, and Valtteri get that, that, that could end up making the difference Listen, in, in the end. Checo has come on strong. This is what Red Bull was missing last year with Albon. You know, Albon yeah. didn't have the experience. You could tell there was still jitters. Checo was experienced. He had a phenomenal year with racing point. And now he's coming into his own, and that's where we're going to see it. I mean, through seven races, both Max and Lewis have won three races each. But Red Bull is, you know, up by, I believe it's um, close to 30 points now in the in the constructors. And that's because they're getting solid performances from Checo. And Veltri has struggled this year. And you heard the frustration today on the mic. He was pissed off. I told you it should have been a two-stop race. And 
Mercedes made they made the mistakes. They cost themselves today's race. And then last week, Lewis or two weeks ago, Lewis made the big mistake by, you know, sending too much heat to the tires. The the brakes locked up, and these mistakes have cost them where they are so far. So, I'm as a Mercedes fan, I'm kind of I'm frustrated, but I'm also worried that the dynasty is is at risk. Here's what I'll say: Look, as a Red Bull guy myself and a Max guy. I was wondering, because we heard him on the broadcast talking about, you know, would Red Bull actually pull the trigger and, and pit Max? He had that, I think, about a three-second lead uh, about halfway through the race, and, and they were talking about it because we had uh, Valtteri go on, and, and he was like, we're not getting to the end. And so for, for Christian Horner to actually pull the trigger and pit that second time. He pulled the Mercedes on him. He did it. The and, Barcelona. And they, they, they talked about it. They, they talked about it. Mercedes did this in Barcelona, and, and Christian Horner didn't want to get caught again. Because that would have been, been really, really hard on Red Bull if they got caught. But, you same know, move. Um, when I was watching it in the flesh and you see the pit, it's like, okay, he's putting on the mediums. But the mediums had only lasted, you know, 10 to 15 laps at the jump. So now it's like, okay, we got 20 plus laps left. Max is gaining two seconds a lap. But he's gonna wear out the tires. So I was, I was kind, I was, I guess you can say, you know, delusional fan in me. But I was like, yeah, Max's tires aren't gonna make it to the end. Lewis is an expert when it comes down to this, and he, you know, he'll Max would just run his tires into the ground. Well, for for me, when when Max passed Valtteri, uh, I think there's about six or seven laps left. The, the gap between him and Hamilton was about five seconds, and it wasn't really getting smaller. Yeah, because Hamilton kind of kicked it up a little bit, and I was like, okay, like, I mean, Max is going to have to earn this. Like, Hamilton's not just going to let him go. Like, so I was like, hmm, like, is Max going to have enough? Because obviously Hamilton started to, to kick up the pace a little bit, and Max's tires were obviously starting to to go, go away because he was pushing them so hard when he came out from that pit. But, you know, uh, there was just too much time left, and Hamilton just didn't have enough tires left. There was... Um, a a couple laps in that seven lap um, when there was about seven to go where Lewis was actually putting out better laps. And I'm like, is this, is this Red Bull, you know, charging up the batteries, getting ready for this final push or is Hamilton just flat out killing him? And then it went from five or six in one lap to about three and a half. And that was where you could just see, okay, there's nothing left that Lewis can do. It's just going to be a matter of time. And when he overtook him on that straight with the DRS, it was such an easy overtake. Yeah, and when uh, Hamilton said this post race in his interview, they asked, "Oh, should they have? Should uh, Hamilton have pit a second time?" It, it didn't matter. Like it was too late. It the didn't second, matter. the second Max went in to pit the second time, it was too late. The gap was going to be too wide. He was going to come out behind him, and you know the race would have probably ended the way it did anyway. So, you know, it's just that Red Bull Christian Horner pulling out the you know reaching into the bag of tricks a little bit, like Toto <laughs> did a couple weeks ago in, in Barcelona. So. Look, you know, I'm, I'm happy for Red Bull, happy for Max, obviously. Um, you know, the, the driver's lead is now 12 points, I believe. I think it's 131, 119. And look, the pressure is starting to build. Obviously, again, still early. I'm going to keep repeating that. It's still very, very, very early. We got a long season ahead. But at some point, you know, Lewis is going to have to start, you know, he's going to have to put the team on his back a little bit. If Valtteri isn't going to be consistent like we know him to be, um, you know, going back the last handful of years. And if Perez continues to, to be in that podium mix every week, um, look, you know, we could be halfway through the season and Red Bull could, could really have start to kind of open the gap between first and second in constructors as well as in the drivers between Max and Lewis. So we've got a, 30, a 37 point difference in the constructors. 
Red Bull's ahead. It makes it extremely difficult now for Mercedes because you you need to. It's not going to happen in the next race, and the next race is in Red Bull's home, right? The Austrian Grand Prix. It's the Red Bull Grand Prix, um, and that thirty-seven point difference. If you don't start to carve into it now, it's just going to drift away as we get through the season. Jumping into the driver standings, yes, you look at. Um, Max and Lewis battling it out, but Perez is coming up the rear pretty quickly. He's there. And And that applies pressure to Lewis. And this is something where you look at where and what Lewis has done over the last decade. He's not used to this. He's been very comfortable. Very comfortable. Even last year, there was a lot of comfort in, in what he built up. So how will he react? How will Mercedes react? And this ongoing battle between Toto and Christian is just gonna get even better. I mean, I that's what I love. And for me, if you look at this race and you're Mercedes and you, and, and you come out of this, you're thinking, wow, this is a missed opportunity because we know how good Hamilton has been here before. This is a race Mercedes came in here expecting to win. You know, obviously they're expecting to win every race they come in, but this is a race that they were going to be really comfortable in not having pole and, and allowing Max to get that changed kind of their outlook for the weekend. But this is a missed opportunity, you know, massive. So again, this is a, is a real missed opportunity for Mercedes and they're going to have to um, figure out a way to bounce back because they've got, again, that gap is starting to, to widen a little bit. Red Bull is going to continue putting that pressure in. Max is going to continue to go head to head with him every week. And, you know, I'm, I'm expecting Lewis to respond, but it's going to come down to him and, as well as Valtteri and they're going to have to put it together soon. When you look at this Honda engine and this Mercedes engine, they're obviously both fantastic cars. They are the best cars on the track. Um, there's no question about it. But it's really going to be the strategic point and the driving point. The, the, if we were to take the cars and look at every single angle, there might be some ahead in other categories and some under in others. But overall, they're pretty even. I think there's a lot of pace on both of them. It will all come down to what we saw today, strategic um, mishaps and obviously driver mishaps we saw two weeks uh, ago with Lewis. So it's going to go down to the wire. But aside from uh, Mercedes and Red Bull, what did you think of the boys from McLaren? Look, I was impressed. I, I was listening to the pre-race show and they, they, they did a good little segment on on Lando and how he was really kind of opening the gap between him and Ricardo and how Ricardo, you know, really hasn't found his form. He hasn't felt comfortable you know, he struggled with the car uh, this year. And Lando, obviously, new contract. He feels great. He's probably in the best form maybe of his entire career to this point. So they talked about, you know, what is it going to take for Daniel Ricciardo to kind of get back in the swing of things, you know, put some points on the board, some real points on the board, and allow McLaren to, to sneak into third place and, and stay there. You know, obviously fighting off Ferrari and Alfatari and those guys. And this week, he did just that. You know, credit to him. You know, early on in the race, he took over Alonzo, and, and then Norris did as well. And you know, he was a benefit of that undercut too. So he came out ahead of Gasly and Signs and, and the Ferrari guys. And next thing you know, you look down and, and those guys are in fifth and sixth and they, and they come out of this race. Um, you know, they were qualifying eighth and 10th, I believe. And they, they come out of here with fifth and sixth. So serious points and serious game from qualifying. And, and you know, credit to Ricardo. He had a, an awesome race today. It's big time. I To see McLaren in third place and really solidifying that spot because Ferrari is... You know, what? Wh- where do they go? Ferrari has got this massive budget. They get awarded this great prize money every single year, and they're just not performing. You know, science goes over. You've got all this money invested in Charles. It's, it's kind of crazy to not have Ferrari in the top of F1, and it's been like this for a while now. So 
What do you think is the issue of Ferrari? It's it's interesting because I just think week to week, you really don't know what you're going to get from your drivers. Uh, obviously, two incredibly talented, incredibly young drivers, you know, two superstars of the future. I don't know. Is Carlos won. a superstar? I think he can be. I don't think so, man. So, so here's my thing with those guys, though, is if you look at, you know, the last two races, Leclerc had pole two times. Obviously, Listen, I never Monaco. said anything about Leclerc. I think Leclerc yep. is the real deal, but I think Sainz is... Sainz is one of these guys that I, you know, just in my opinion, there's better drivers. There's tw- there's 20 jobs in the world. Mm-hmm. Not all 20 deserve to have driving seats. I don't think Carlos is that guy, especially for Ferrari. Yeah, I think... You know, we'll see. I mean, Leclerc has obviously proven himself, but I think he's got a long ways to go. You know, obviously going back to Monaco uh, and, and the following race after that, two poles and not really much to show for it. I think you, if you're Ferrari, you're looking at those two races like, man, it's a lot of missed points, two big missed opportunities there, especially when you're fighting off uh, McLaren and the rest of the guys in the middle of the grid. So to me, I'm not sure what their what the rest of their season looks like. They're going to have to start seeing some consistency from from Leclerc and, and Carlos Sainz week to week, or else, you know, they're going to start to fall a little bit, and McLaren's going to be able to separate themselves from from the Most rest. Most definitely, they they have not put out a good power unit. Their engine is is lacking, and they will not be able to keep pace. So I think Charles is a great driver, um, but it, it comes down to the car in this position. Talking about your boy Lando, we touched on it. He is. Um, having a phenomenal year. He's mm-hmm. young. McLaren's got a great car. They've got the Mercedes power unit in it. He is only um, eight points back from uh, Checo, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, and they asked him about this pre-race, and they said, you know, is that a goal that he has in mind? You know, obviously Perez in third, Lando was there, and then Perez obviously kind of found his rhythm and got comfortable, and now he's he, he's in third and most likely will stay there, and they asked him about that, and he said, look, man, like, third place, obviously we'd love to be there, but it's not a goal. He's in a Red Bull. He's, he's in a much better car. He said they were, you know, a second and a half faster in qualifying this week. So, you know, Lando's future is so, so bright, but mechanically there, there's still a gap between orange and, and red and, and Lewis. So just talking about F1, obviously we had the race today. It ended up being a, a terrific race. It was exciting, but this is a sport that is dominated by like a big dick mentality. Yeah. You know, it is the richest of the riches control the sport that's how the narrative is. And when I look at the drivers, per se, and this is why I just said it with Carlos, but are they the best 20 in the world? Are there better drivers out there? Mazepin is driving because his dad brings a bag. Mm-hmm. Is Mick really that good? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Stroll, listen, his dad owns the team, but he's shown that he can perform. So there's so many inner politics in this sport, and that's why, I mean, I'm drawn to it because we're in this world now where, yeah, we, we understand it's not fair play, but that's what drives viewership because there's all of this politics and drama and you get connected to to the different, uh, you know, storylines that are going on throughout the year. So, you know, before launching the show, you and I spoke about our love for F1. I grew up with it. You really came into the sport recently um, with all of the different tactics that they've used from a strategic lens, whether it's drive to survive, social. So what do you love the most about F1? Well, I think... The biggest thing for me and the reason I fell in love with it was, one, you have the the drama of it, the theater of it, and then the second part of that is the personalities. Um, you know, in the first season of, of uh, Drive to Survive on Netflix, the first guy you see is Daniel Ricciardo, and he's got the celebrity status to him. He's he's rich. He's, you know, he's famous. Cocky. He's, he's cocky. He's got that personality, and, and all of those things, 
you know, we talk about this with the NBA and, and our other favorite sports, like that's what shines through and like the marketing of these players and the marketing of the teams. And you have the, like you mentioned, like the politics and the inner strategies between GMs and, and uh, the team principals. And you've got all of these things that are interworking and uh, all these different dynamics that are working with it or against each other. So to me, that's what drew me in. And look, I had to watch it when I, when I started watching God Survive on Netflix, I, I couldn't, I couldn't go away from it. And here we are, I think three years later and, and you know, we're, we're on the pod now. We're on the pod. Yeah. It's growing at such a rapid rate in North America. We're hearing it more and more on a day-to-day basis. More and more people are talking about it. We've got the Miami expansion. It is really becoming a, um, it is, it's integrated itself into North America and now it's gaining momentum. But going back to these drivers, what do you think of the old heads? Like both Raikkonen and Alonso, they're taking two valuable jobs away from the next generation of talent. I can't stand either of them. I've <laughs> never liked Raikkonen. Alonso, I could go on. That's another episode. But they also raced against Schumacher. I was a big Schumacher fan. So yeah. do they have a place in F- F1 today? Look, it's really tough. And I don't know if you excluded Vettel from that conversation on purpose, but... Vettel is is a little he's got a little bit more behind him and he's won four chips yeah I mean his reputation we don't need to to go there but the old heads we talk about this in the NBA and other sports are we should we reward them for their legacies for what they've accomplished and everything they've done for the sport at what point where do we draw the line between doing that and you know there might be a 19 20 21 year old in F2 who's absolutely hungry and urging for a spot in F1 are we is this are we better off is the sport better off by keeping those guys in i don't know what do you think we're seeing this wave of talent i think we see it with uh lando super fun he's exciting people are drawn to him even with Charles, young driver full of excitement and obviously we, we just touched on alonso and raikkonen but there's vettel even ricardo ricardo's starting to come into that upper echelon where he is you know at the he's at the tipping scale of is he still cool or is he kind of washed? Well, and that's why, you know, I push so hard on this Ricardo thing is because we were starting to, the narrative around him was starting to change maybe just as a smidge where it's like, obviously, you know, personality, celebrity, the status, the draw that he has, you take all that and put it in a box and put it somewhere else. But at some point we have to look at the performance and, and, you know, what he's delivering this year for McLaren. And they had really high expectations for him this year. You know, whether or not you view him as the second driver or not behind Lando, I think it's been clear that that's, that's kind of how it's shaped out. And at some point, he was going to have to start performing and bringing in points and, you know, potentially podiums at some point during this year. We'll see how that pans out, but I'm glad he had a good race to kind of maybe shut that down, at least for now. It's, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I'm looking here at these at the races, right? Like, six races in. It was the same three every race. Yeah. Norris had w- had made two two appearances, and then La- in Azerbaijan two weeks ago, Gasly gets in there and Vettel does as well. So, looking ahead, we've got Austria twice, then we've got Silverstone in the UK, and then we go on summer break. Oh no, summer break starts after Hungary. So we've got Austria twice, Great Britain, Hungary. Then we've got summer break. When we're talking after summer break, what do you think the standings look like? Who's going into the summer on top? I think it will be Red Bull just because of their performance uh, and what they have with their car right now is just... So I think it's the gap between the 
Red Bull and McLaren, or sorry, not McLaren, Mercedes is a, is there, and I think it's enough to where Max is going to have a really, 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 really good shot at pole every week, and you give that guy pole, and, and he's going to be able to produce way more wins than he was last year just because of the difference in car. To me, the, the biggest thing is how wide are they going to be able to stretch that gap? Are they going to start putting enough pressure on Mercedes to where you know, they're going to have to start finishing one, two, one, three, and Lewis is really going to have to start winning races. You know, if we go down, you know, and there's three, four, five races left and it's, you know, a 20 point gap or 30 point gap, something really, really manageable like that, you know, Lewis and Valtteri can, can figure that out. But to me, if Red Bull can actually stretch this gap and really, really put pressure on them, you know, it could really, really make the rest of the season super interesting for Lewis and Valtteri. It, it will be. And I think, um, you know, what happens at the end of the year if Red Bull wins the Constructors and Max wins the championship? <laughs> wow. I mean, you know, it's, do we look at it as like a turning of the page thing? Because that's not to say Lewis <laughs> couldn't come back ne- next year and, and win a world championship because that could absolutely happen. But I think a lot of people will look at it as like a passing the torch, kind of turning the page, new chapter and era of Formula One. And, you know, for better or for worse, um, you know, I think some people are going to view it that way. And again, it'll be on Lewis to see, will that guy respond? Can he come back next year in, in a league that'll have a, probably a little more parity? The cars will be a little more evened out um, based on what the rules and regulations will be next year. It'll be interesting to see if, because if, if he could win this year, even if he wins this year, I think it'll be by far the most impressive win, um, you know, in, in recent time anyway. And if he could win again next year with more parity and more, um, you know, less of a gap between the cars, it's just going to get really, really impressive. So he's got seven championships tied with Michael Schumacher. Mm-hmm. And I've always said getting there and tying Schumacher was a feat, but separating himself from being tied is going to be the toughest. And this year we're seeing it. So I really think if Lewis loses this year, he's done. He calls it quits. I, really? think, I think he's put so much into it. And then at that point, you look at the legacy and it's like, do you want to continue to then try climb the mountain again? And if you come up short people start to remember that side of you of, oh, he's just trying to get back up there. You're only as good as your last race. Yeah, and it's that line again of, do you want to quit while you're ahead type mentality or do you run the risk of tarnishing your legacy a little bit? You know, Lewis is Lewis. He's, you know, we're not, we're not going to start taking world championships away from him. But, you know, if, if two or three or four years go by and, and he's not at the very top, like we're used to seeing him, People, I'm not sure how people might change the narrative around his career. Agreed. Agreed. So I'm going to tell you right now, you, um, I write you a check next year. <laughs> Team CG is going into F1 because, you know, Williams is out or, oh, or no. Haas is done. Who are you starting your franchise with? Who is your number one and two driver? Blank check? Or do listen, I got to be realistic? Listen, I'm giving you the same budget as Mercedes and Ferrari. And I got to pick two drivers? Two drivers. I pick Lewis. What? And I pick Max. <laughs> so who's your number one? <laughs> if I'm building for the future, I pick Max just because okay. he, he's young and I think his future is only going to get brighter. I think Lewis is still the best driver on the grid. I believe that. Um, wow. But, you know, I do want to, like, give a shout out to some of the younger guys. Like, I love Pierre Gasly. Um, I think he's got an incredibly bright future ahead of him. Um, Esteban Ocon. Like, there are some really, really good guys. George Russell. There are some guys down the grid that are going to get opportunities in the next uh, year or two. And, you know, you mentioned a guy like Carlos Sainz. Does that guy uh, deserve the spot he has? 
you know, if that guy gets replaced in, in a year, in a year or two, and, and it's someone else that, that's bringing better results, performing at a higher level, you, you'll get the answer to your question. Okay. Okay. And if we go through the 10 teams quick, really quickly, I'm going to just name drivers. All I want you to say is, um, so I'm going to ask you, do they have a seat next year? Yes. No. Okay. So first is Red Bull, Max. Yeah. Surge. Yeah. Okay. Easy. Now, Mercedes. Lewis. Yeah. Bottas. Yeah. Bottas has a seat next Not year. necessarily on Mercedes, but he'll have a you seat. You think he has a seat in F1? Yeah, I do. Okay. Maybe not in Mercedes, but he'll have a seat. McLaren. Ricardo? Yes. Norris? Yeah. Ferrari? Signs? Yeah. Okay. And Charles? Yeah. Okay, now we get into AlphaTauri. Gasly? Yep, definitely. Does he stay with AlphaTauri? That's interesting because, you know, if the, the team's above him um, or you know, a team at the top of the grid comes calling, Pierre, Pierre Gasly is going to pick up the phone. So I'm not sure what his contract situation is right now. Um, I think he's like, play, he's had a really, really great season. He's performed really, really well, given the car he's in. He scored points. He had a podium. Um, so I, I think everyone just around F1 is really impressed with him and understands that his future is so bright. And, and we look back at the Red Bull situation like, mm, did they cut the cord a little too soon? I think so. I think so too, but you know, that's up for Red Bull. Red Bull's living, living, living okay right now. So what about Yuki? I don't know. He, he's got those, he's got that temper, but he pushes the car flat out and he does not, he's not scared. Uh, he'll have a seat. Okay. Does Vettel have a seat? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'll say yes. Stroll. I mean, his dad owns the team. So yes. <laughs> Alpine, Ocon just re-signed. We know the answer yep. there. Alonzo? Mm, maybe it's no. It okay. might be no. Alfa Romeo. Antonio Giovanni, Giovazzi. <laughs> what do you think? I'm going to throw it to you. I don't think he has a seat. <laughs> I, that's, um, that's what I was going to say. Who Who is their uh, test driver? I, I got to double check, but there's a lot of pressure on him. Mm-hmm. Kimmy? Yeah. I don't know. It's a coin flip to me. It's it's the same thing that you talked about earlier. It's like our team's eventually gonna look at the next best thing, the the shining toy. I don't know. Williams, Russell, is he with Williams next year? I think he will be in a Mercedes car next year. I'll tell you right now, I'd love to see Russell in Mercedes car, but I really think they bring Bottas back. Okay. I'm calling it now. All right. Latifi? Um yeah. He'll be around, I think. Last question, Haas. I'm not even going to ask the drivers. Is Haas an F1 next year? <laughs> Do we want to talk about Mazepin? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Listen, there's been a lot of talk about Porsche coming to F1. Mm-hmm. You know, BMW is always on the, on the teeter-totter. So how much longer does Haas, how much longer does Gene Haas spend money out of his own pocket for a losing team? I mean, at some point... I mean, when you look week after week and you're 19 and 20, like... And you're the laughing stock. Like, what are we even competing for? Like, what do, what do we... If, like, you're just... it's. If Michael Schumacher was in a state to know <laughs> what's going on, does he even want his son in that car? I doubt it. It's tough to say. Listen, I will say I'm... Uh, maybe bullish isn't the right word, but I'm relatively high on, on Mick. Okay. I like him. I, I think it's too needs, much of a legacy to, yeah. you can be great. And he's going to get the Your opportunity. Your dad was, yeah. you know, obviously we're going to the go convo, Lewis, yeah. Michael, but it's so hard to live up 
it, you know, it, the shoes that he has to fill are just crazy. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, but, you know, before we wrap up, who is your driver of the day? It's, um, it's Ricardo. Wow. I, listen, what Max did today was obviously incredible. Um, but I think the Red Bull win came from strategy. And obviously, you know, Max is Max. Is Max. He does his thing. He, 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 makes it looks, he makes it look real easy sometimes. When he comes out of there and he's gaining two and a half seconds on, on the lead, it's like, okay, like this guy's really, really good at his job. But I think the Red Bull win was um, just as much about strategy as it was about Max. To me, Ricardo having a good week um, Ricardo yeah, and even Lando as well. Like Ricardo having a good week means a lot to to their season. They they scored some serious points, so so I'm giving it to Daniel. All right, my my driver of the day is Lance Stroll. He started <laughs> at the back of the grid, 19th, yeah, um, which was really last because Yuki started in the yep. pit lane and he scored a point. That that listen, that's not easy. He made it's up. Not easy. He made up. Call it tense, ten spots, and, and he got a point and. It's it's been tough because I was really high with with Racing Point last year. Checo was amazing. Stroll was driving mm-hmm. well. They really had a couple bad just bad luck where engines blew when they were going to have podium finishes. So it's been tough to see Aston Martin struggle this year. But it was um, it was good to see Lance fight. So for everyone who's listened to this first episode, show us some love. Go follow the podcast if you're listening on Apple. Give us a rating, share with your friends. And if you're on Spotify, Google, iHeart, wherever you are, share the love. We want to bring you F1 content every single race right after race day. And you will get our hot takes and more. Um, So catch up with Lift and Coast wherever you get your podcasts. Chris, it's been a pleasure. We'll be back next week.